walk around and disregard it. Should you walk around, show you what heart is. Standing strong and proud of me, and I can't. Let's get started. It's the hardest. Walk around and disregard it. Should you walk around, show you what heart is. Standing strong and proud of me, and I can't. Let's get started. Yeah, get your boots ready. We're about to go on a trip where we wrestle nobody, settling or calling it quits. You're here for the grit, betcha this stuff is amazing. You're stumbling, welcome to the bump in the apron. Step into it, the hardest part of the ring. Here to bring fun, yeah, and this art is king. It's the best thing, making sure you don't tap out. Don't go soft with the hardest part cast out. And it's not just another one, it's clear. Off the rest, in this content, none can test. Take the nonsense off the steps. You know it's nothing but Pure gems when it's coming off the chest. Get it? Now it's time to sit and relax. Get your mind blown away. Ain't no skipping this track. Have you paid more attention? No listening gap. Get everything I ever wanted. No giving it back. Yeah, back. What's up, everybody? It's your boy. The hardest part of the ring. Back at you with another apron bump. And man, oh man. We got an anniversary for you. Nay, nay. A slammiversary. <laughs> you know, I feel like we as wrestling fans don't beat TNA enough about how dildo of a name this pay-per-view is, but whatever. We got <laughs> Slammiversary 2005. And as of the date, that this episode drops, we are a little over three weeks away from Slammiversary 2021. Man, how time flies. The 19th anniversary of TNA, Impact, NWA, TNA, whatever you want to call it. The 19th anniversary is coming up here in a few weeks, but we are here to review the third anniversary it is crazy that this company just won't fucking die like man through the ups and the downs we got to commend this company for sticking around this long it is incredible but you know as things change and evolve some things just stay the same because to kind of keep it with the theme of what's happening in current day samoa joe Still making waves. We just saw him again as of this recording. We just saw him last week return to the WWE as I guess the uh, what the sheriff of NXT. Is that is that what he's doing? If anybody remembers Stone Cold in 2003 riding his ATV and only giving stunners to people when provoked. So now we got Samoa Joe doing the same thing in NXT, which you know what? Anything to have Samoa Joe on my screen is a okay with the T-H-P-O-T-R. You know what I'm saying? That's a mouthful. I'm not going to I'm never going to call myself that again. Don't worry, everybody. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, I'm not lying when I say I love having Samoa Joe on my screen. And it's a good thing because we got him in current NXT. We just covered his debut in Ring of Honor at Glory by Honor 2002 go check that out because he had a stupid insane match with Loki on that show that we talked about but now we got him in TNA finally Slammiversary 2005 is the debut of Samoa Joe 
in tits and ass. And boy, howdy, poor Sanjay Dutt just gets a beat down. <laughs> Man. But it was a very entertaining match, and we talk about it in great detail in the episode today. Um, but yeah, between TNA Joe, Ring of Honor Joe... I think he even pops up in progress at some point, if I'm not mistaken. But man, yep. But man, the the apron bump is gonna be all be chock full of Joey Samoe from pretty much here on out. So buckle in, kids. But what what else happens on this show? Well, not a whole lot. <laughs> I'm getting to you know to an extent because we have the King of the Mountain match main eventing this show, which. Look, if you've been following my TNA reviews up to this point, you're very well aware that this era of TNA, their main events are usually pretty stupid. Like, even if they're just normal one-on-one matches, there's a lot of tomfoolery that gets involved because it's TNA, you know? But um, I kind of walked into this main event thinking it was just going to be ridiculousness and stupidity, but it was actually... A very entertaining match, and we'll tell you why in the podcast. But I was a big fan of the King of the Mountain. I, I, I hope it returns sometime. I, I dare say. I'll go out on a limb here and say I want the King of the Mountain match to return in modern day impact. But yeah, this period in 2005, we're in the summer of 05. Um, and it's just kind of a transition period for them because TNA, a few weeks before this show, their contract with Spox, Fox, Spox, Fox Sports Net just ended. So they are no longer at Fox Sports Net. And after Slammiversary, they um, will be airing their episodes on their website, which is a thing that happened apparently. But like I said, a transition period, because as we all know, they eventually get picked up by Spike. And that's pretty much the... A huge that's a, that's a huge catalyst for a lot of their success that they see in the later half of the 2000s. So big things coming for TNA here, both with Samoa Joe debuting and all that stuff with the X Division that he brings, the Spike deal. So we're we're revving up, folks. We're revving up. And on this show, you just don't see like a lot of the old legends that we've seen in the previous shows that I've covered, you know, it seems like they'll just kind of get any old relic and just kind of throw them in there for name value. And trust me, they're not above doing that at this point, but this show seemed like kind of a changing of the guard in a way, a lot of lot more young talent utilized on this show than previous shows, which I enjoyed personally, but yeah, solid matches throughout this show. A lot of, uh, a lot of cameos and appearances from like ring of honor guys and, former WWE guys that I didn't expect to see on this show. Um, Just a lot of... It's TNA, man. It's 2005 TNA. There's going to be a lot of ridiculousness, which is why it's like one of my favorite companies to cover on this podcast. Um, But to join me in all this ridiculousness, we got Steve from the Positively Pro Wrestling Podcast. Um, Find them on Twitter at... PPW podcast. Listen to them wherever you listen to podcasts. They they really do. Him, Steve, and his co-host Eric, they do a really great podcast over there. Uh, they started off as kind of, you know, as the name suggests, kind of putting a positive spin on pro wrestling because we see a lot of negativity nowadays. So it's a breath of fresh air, but also they do a lot of uh, nostalgia, old school reviews, kind of like I do. So if you like 
all hardest part of the ring. You'll love what Positively Pro Wrestling does. So go check them out. Give them a subscribe ski. And yeah, let's hop right into it. TNA Slammiversary 2005 with myself and Steve from the Positively Pro Wrestling Podcast. Um, yeah, once again, uh, thank you for making the time to sure. uh, talk some TNA, <laughs> everybody's favorite. Um, so I'm curious, actually. So um, are you were you ever a TNA watcher yourself? Nope, never. Not at all. Never. No, really. I didn't watch. I, I watched like randomly, but you got to also this was weird, too, because so this is 2005. So I stopped. I watched wrestling from when I was you know, from like 1989 or whatever, up until about like 2001. And then even in 2000, I kind of slowed down when, and then I stopped watching completely until about end of 2006, early 2007. So I wasn't watching yeah. this. Like I knew what was going on, but so I was watching this. I was kind of missing this completely, this era. And with TNA, I started noticing them more when they started bringing in like Hogan and Bischoff and all mm-hmm. them. So I missed all this stuff. But now what's funny is like watching this show, you see a bunch of guys like, oh, I know him. I know him. I know him from something else. And then like right, X-Pac's yeah. randomly on there at the end and Raven's randomly on here too. So it's right. uh, And I kind of remember like shoot interviews with uh, Billy Gunn and Bro Dog when they were both really high and they were just like with TNA with the Voodoo Kin <laughs> Mafia and they're like burying yeah. how much they hate Triple H, which is hilarious now. That sounds about but, right. But yeah, so that's kind of my TNA thing. So I I watched it like sparingly, but I didn't. I wasn't a fan. I mostly didn't like the announcers, like John. Even this on this show, oh, like Don West and Tomei drove you, me nuts. Sir. Port, we're not going to bury the hell off my podcast. We're not going to bury Don West today in, in light of the news that came out. But right, just, every move's a scream. Well, maybe TNA just has it, look. It's in the name, the action. It just doesn't stop. That's true. That's true. Totally. That's true. So, and, I mean, what's, what's he going to do, you know? Was Tanay always the announcer? Or, like, how long was he there? Was he there the entire time? Or did they replace him with somebody? I don't remember. He was there for a long time. He was there. So, it was Tanay and Don West. Mm-hmm. I want to say till like, 08, mm-hmm. 09. And then it was Tanay and Taz until, I want to say, like, 2013, 2014. So, he was there. Mike Tanay was there for, like, the first 11 or 12 years, I so think. So, he was always the lead play-by-play guy. Yep. Okay. I don't know why I thought it was sure someone was. else. I don't know why. You don't like Mike Tanay? No, I don't mind Mike Tanay at all. I just think okay. him and Don West together, they're both screaming over each other. I'm used to my Mike Tanay as like a WCW yeah. telling me about psychosis Mike Tanay. That's what I'm used to. Third, th- third Mike Mike exactly, Tanay exactly. is what you're familiar. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I could see it being pretty jarring if that's what you're yeah, – it's. <laughs> if that's where you're used yeah, to. Yeah, I mean, but what's weird too is – I've I've gone back and watched TNAs. I've actually like my local like secondhand shop. They randomly get like TNA DVDs for like a buck or two, so I just grab them just yeah. to have something to watch in the background. I always laugh when I look back. It's like oh Kevin Nash is still here and he was always there for a paycheck and all that stuff too. But this show doesn't really have the old washed up wrestlers on the show for the most part. I mean I guess maybe Raven, yeah. but he doesn't look like crap. Waltman's in really good shape. The worst looking shape guy in here is Road Dog or BG James or whatever. And even him, he's yeah. not, you know, he's, he's, he's not bad for what he's doing. And I have yeah. notes on here about how Billy Gunn just never ages, looks, and Conan's looking jacked right. here. So it was cool to watch because, especially something I've never seen before at all. I did watch a little bit mm-hmm. on YouTube, kind of the build of the show. So I was kind of familiar with what was going on and how they got to where they were. 
but mm-hmm. it was it was cool to watch. Well, yeah, it's actually interesting that you bring up the buildup. It's because um, so I I always watch all the impacts leading up to the show, and on uh, Impact Plus there weren't any episodes like in the two or three weeks before okay. the show, and I was confused. I was like, is this a, is it like an app issue? Is there just like some scandalous mm-hmm. shit that they don't want to put on their website? But apparently, they just lost their mm-hmm. TV deal with uh, Fox Sports. Fox Net, Sports, yeah, it was either Fox Sports Net or Fox. There wasn't one. Yet. It had to be Net. Yeah, Fox Sports Net. Yeah. Yes. And um, I, I guess they're kind of like in this purgatory period where and they, they mentioned it at some point mm-hmm. on the show that their episodes are going to air on Fridays on their website, which is uh, I don't know how long exactly that lasts, but I know they're pretty uh, they're upcoming their spike deal within the, by the end of the year. Definitely for sure. Yeah, so I didn't watch no TNA. I didn't even know it existed when it was on Fox Sports one. I only knew about it when it was on Spike. Yeah. No, I'm I'm the same way because I'm I'm similar to you. I didn't watch any TNA till like '06 uh-huh. or so, and in my head they were just always on Spike. Yeah, like I know obviously they had like the the weekly pay per views mm-hmm. in the Asylum, but in my mind the Impact Zone didn't start till Spike. But um, it's not the case. They they weren't. It was like a year. Or I remember so watching before. when I first like kind of tried to watch TNA, kind of being turned off by the Impact Zone thing. I'm like, oh, this looks kind of cheesy B rate show, but now. Mm-hmm. After having stuff like AEW for the past year at Daly's Place, you kind of see where they ripped it off a little bit with the entrance tunnels. It looks totally fine. Yeah, like yeah. The production's fine. They've got lasers. The crowd's lit up well. It's it's good. It's not WWF at the time or WWE good, but it's good. Right. Yeah, I, I enjoy it too, especially the tunnels the, mm-hmm. the, the on the different sides. So you have the heels and faces not coming. That's always a thing that always kind of bothered me is that they come out in the same mm-hmm. little area. Um, it does become a bit of a problem. Because they do the pay-per-views yeah. in the same arena as they do the TV shows. And there's there's some exceptions uh, later in the 2000s where they do kind of bigger arenas. But ultimately, that's kind of where everything... It's like every show has the same mm-hmm. energy. Which sometimes it's good, but sometimes it's like, okay, I, I want it to feel These like These were all free, right? You just had to be in the park at Universal Studios, right? Yeah. <laughs> I, I yeah I think and that's another thing too is that where they were it's like there's a lot of people that aren't wrestling mm-hmm. fans I just want to see a show they they hear uh you know Joe oh, Jeff Hardy's here or whatever and then they just I, dedicate a few hours to watch I was that. in Orlando in 2011 yeah it must have been 2000 no 2011 or 12 and the there's a big billboard like Hogan was in TNA at the time and he's doing his you know the bow and arrow pose flex and it said, light up here for impact tapings. And I looked, and there was a big line, and it, it looked like wrestling fans. So maybe, mm-hmm. like, the locals in the area knew, okay, we're going to get to our seats. This is our thing kind of taken over. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like the WCW Disney Studios where there's people in Winnie the Pooh t-shirts in the front row exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I think over time it became more of, like, uh, okay, we're following this, especially when, they, when they're on Spike and it's more accessible to people and people know what they're watching and the storylines mm-hmm. and all that. But, um. But yeah, you brought it up earlier. I think we should, you know, not mm-hmm. to start off on a sad note, but um, yeah, Don West, I think it was within the last week that got diagnosed with brain mm-hmm. lymphoma, I, b- I believe it was, which is a, a serious bummer, man, because you, know, you didn't like Don West on commentary, but man, he his energy was on a whole other level than like anybody I've ever seen and comment or heard in commentary. I did like the Don West deals commercials. Those are always fun. And he he's built to be an infomercial At Starcast, guy. Starcast, the last Starcast in Chicago a couple of years ago, 
there he was there at one of the gimmick tables and he was it was must have been the last day of it and we were in line to meet someone else and he was at the gimmick table just like shouting don west deals and it was it was kind of funny he was doing his thing literally to get rid of the junk he didn't want to carry with him for the for back home right. so it was cool <laughs> it was the real deal and he was shaking everyone's hand hey, he don wasn't West, charging for it. pictures or autographs i'm sure he could have charged like five or ten bucks but just everyone was cool he was yeah good guy so fingers crossed he, he could fight through this at least best he can yeah for sure much love to that and it's not not funny but the, the literally the last tna mm-hmm. show i did was the one right after chris candido died this was like god damn it can i do one tna show without some without oh, some man. somber shit to, to lead it off but um so where were you did you watch tna and I, I think don't know if we answered that were you a fan were you watching week to week okay i've been in and out so like i said i kind of just stumbled upon it like in 06 07 and i watched it pretty consistently kind of around the time it was like when Hogan mm-hmm. and Bischoff came in, it was somewhere around that time where I kind of tuned out. And then I came back when like mm-hmm. MVP was there because they were doing some good stuff there with like, it was like Lashley was there too. And, um, but then I tuned out again and then it's kind of, I haven't really been consistently watching. It's been at least, it's probably been like a decade. I, I think I've TNA also watched. was a little bit ahead of its time watching the show with some of these moves the guys are doing and uh, yep. the big spot fest, particularly in the X division match. And I think in like the, a couple other matches, yeah. A lot of these things are happening now on indie shows or in PWG uh-huh. or Game Changer Wrestling or even in, in AEW a little bit. And that was one thing I noticed where people were going nuts in the crowd, but it's kind of commonplace now with Kennedy and Destroyers and Tope Suicidas and all this stuff. So they yeah. might have been a little bit ahead of their time. And also, it seemed like my issue always with TNAs was they didn't know who they wanted to be. Like, are we the guy, place where all the uh-huh. old guys come for nostalgia or are we the place for nonstop action, like they say? And right. just they never really could find it, it seemed like, and that kind of was their downfall. Yeah, because there were a lot of elements to it that felt like very later years WCW. Because like mm-hmm. you said, all the old timers, and you're right, there weren't that many on this show. But in the in the events I've covered just in the past few months, mm-hmm. we've seen like, you know, Kevin Nash in the main event fighting for the world sure. title, DDP, um, Roddy Piper, Jimmy Snuka, anybody that they can get there in Orlando just for name value, um, which I... I, I you know, in some sense, I get, you know, you want to have those big names to kind of draw people in. And I guess because they were starting to get a little bit of a buzz at this point. But mm-hmm. I think they would learn in time that what got them the buzz and maintained their viewership was the stuff that they were doing that WWE was not doing at this time, like it, tag team oh, wrestling yeah. or the X division, stuff like that. Yeah, look at like I was just, I was thinking when I was watching the show, 2005 WWE, which is the only really mainstream game in town is nothing like this show. It's the, they're the complete opposite. 2005, you've yeah. got the rise of Cena and Batista, and Triple H is still in the main event. So those aren't exactly huge, uh, high-flying guys, but it was, it's crazy looking at the differences between these two companies at the time. And I could see yeah. now, in, in retrospect, I don't have any nostalgia for it or anything, but I can see in retrospect how people liked it and how what they thought of it. Yeah, yeah, good or bad, it, it was definitely different than what mm-hmm. WWE was uh, was putting out, and that's kind of what their downfall was, in my opinion. Is that eventually they kind of just became WWE light. Mm-hmm. So it was like, why am I going to watch this when I can just watch the bigger, more spectacular version over here? Yeah, and I don't know. What's weird too is we mentioned we talked about the Impact Zone a little bit and how it made every show feel the same. And I get they wanted to make money with like a TV deal, but I think if this was the internet was around, but it wasn't as social media wasn't as massive mm-hmm. as it was as it is now with being able to share things with YouTube and Twitter and all that. 
But I feel like right. they could have made a really big name for themselves just being kind of an independent promotion. I know Jarrett was always mm-hmm. trying to get the TV deal and always trying to make it the big company. But just, just watching this, it just really seems it's got a lot of independent wrestling 21st century vibes we have right now. Mm-hmm. That's funny. That's kind of what ROH was at this time, too, because mm-hmm. there's also kind of when I started watching Ring of Honor, too, and you see there's a lot of crossover, like Amazing Red that we see on the show, mm-hmm. uh, Delirious, people like that. So there's a lot of crossover. Even Smojo, he's, he's still with Ring of Honor at this My point. My notes so. is Baby Joe. He looks so young. <laughs> oh, man. He's... <laughs> Man, I can't wait to get to that. So we need to get right yeah, into it. Yeah, go man. ahead. And get, you you drive. It's your show. <laughs> um, but man, this intro package. First of all, I gotta say, I, I say it every, for every TNA show I do. If if there's one thing that Impact did well, it was their intro packages. Man, they got you. I don't even know what the dude was saying, but it sounded epic and it made me ready for some wrestling. He does have big movie guy voice, like the guy does. Yeah, it's, it's, it's classic. I did appreciate since this, I guess Slammiversary. Is this Slammiversary the biggest show of the year, or is Bond for Glory like their biggest show of the year? So this is like a SummerSlam. Okay, that's kind of what I've gathered over the. And is it, we should note this is the first ever Slammiversary. Mm-hmm. Uh, very timely because I think I believe it's in a few weeks that we get their uh, what seventeenth something. Yeah, and I think yeah. they're planning having fans back there, which should be kind of cool. Yeah, them. yeah, I might even. Uh, Look at some highlights. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, maybe if it's like 20 bucks or something on Twitch or whatever they're streaming it on. But yeah. the, the other thing that was cool was the flashback to moments in history the theme throughout the show has. Mm-hmm. I thought that was really yeah. cool, especially for a novice fan like me. It's like, oh, you know, they, they show the one spot over and over again. Of I don't even know who it is. You could probably tell me. The guy. Felix Skipper. Yeah, on the cage. He does yep. the tightrope into the Hurricane Rana, which is still amazing. I think... Mm-hmm. If mm-hmm. someone did that now, it'd be like people would be losing their mind. It's still awesome to see now, and I can't believe he nailed it because that's a one-take shot. He yeah. just nails it. That's literally what he became known for after. And if you go onto Impact's YouTube page right now, mm-hmm. the, all, like, all their videos, it has like some quick little clips of like stuff that's happened in the history of TNA, and that's always going to be on it. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's still to this day one of their, the biggest moments that happened for them. Um, but yeah, it was so it was because the intro package is great. But it was such like a, a juxtaposition to the the match preview video packages because those were I don't know if you got this, but the match video packages before each match were terrible. Yeah, like, that's what's weird because I think that's what WWE and F has always done so well is those pre-match hype videos. It's helpful yeah. now on the network or even on Peacock or if you pop in an old DVD, you're like I don't remember this, and like they'll give you three minutes to remind you why this match is happening and. I don't know why Impact couldn't do that if they had the kick-ass intro of the show. Dude, whether it is like the Windows Media Player, like Word Art. Oh, God. Or there was like, they would have like three different sounds going on at the same time, and they'd all be different levels, yeah. but you couldn't like hear any, like, it was just. They're out of, they're out of money. Xbox needed a, needed a dressing room, so <laughs> they're out of money. You know, you're joking, but that's probably not the farthest that's thing true. the truth. Um, and uh, the pre-show, got to bring this up because, uh, so I guess Raven and Jeff Jarrett are in the ring. They're bickering. They're not happy with each other. So they uh, end up brawling. And at some point, Jeff gets knocked to the outside. And there's this fan yelling in his face who, for some reason, is dressed like Jeff Hardy. I thought it was. (laughs) I did, too. I was like, what? So Jeff Hardy's going to enter the match? And No, it was just a guy that looked like Jeff Hardy. No one ever brought any attention to it. It was just there. But um, this fan is yelling in Jeff Jarrett's face. So Jeff gets all peeved off 
grabs the fan, pulls him over the barricade, beats the shit out of him, and uh, gets arrested, as he should, I guess, you know. It's a weird thing to start a pay-per-view off with. Was was Jared advertised to be on the show, or was he just there as the, what was he supposed to be in? He was going to be in the main event. That's what I thought, but I, I'm like, I, I'm like that can't be right. They wouldn't have just taken him off the show in the pre-show, but they did apparently. Yeah, yeah I, I'm. I meant to research. I don't know if he, maybe he was like injured or something, uh-huh. or if there's some reason he couldn't compete. But because he was a big, he was the biggest name, like I guess homegrown, quote unquote, that they had because he was world champion for like a year, mm-hmm. and he just recently lost it in the last pay per view. So he he was a big time deal in TNA at this point. So there must have been some reason. For him to get taken out, Raven wanted bizarre, to go over, and they let him. Yeah, that's how they let it happen. And that's what happens. So Jeff Jarrett is out of the main event, the King of the Mountain match, and Raven takes his spot. Um, so more to follow on that. But to open the show, we have a six pack challenge match. It's a X division match. So we got Elix Skipper, who we brought up earlier, versus Delirious from Ring of Honor. Versus Shark Boy versus Jarrell Clark versus Zach Gowan versus Amazing Red. What a cast of characters! This is in this. This is in, this is just wrestlers. We got a guy with one leg, a guy with a shark mask, and... <laughs> another guy with a mask that's crazy and has tassels, yeah. and then this was just a crazy spot fest. But I I thought it was fun. I, I liked it. It was fun to watch. Yeah. Yeah, it felt short to me. Like it felt, it was, especially with six guys, it felt like everybody was just kind of jamming all their mm-hmm. all their shit in, getting everybody's getting their finishers. But I do want to note, and they made reference to this, which I was surprised that they did. Apparently, Shark Boy sued Miramax, which I guess is like a production company yeah. of some sort, for uh, the movie Shark Boy versus Lava Girl. Are you familiar with this film? I've heard of it. I've I've I don't think my kids have watched it yet, but I'm heard of it. Is this a real story? He really sued them. Yes. Did he so win? <laughs> he it got settled out of court. Who knows? But it, it was basically a, a copyright infringement, uh-huh. obviously, for, for his name, uh, which is fine. I never made that connection in my life. I guess <laughs> that movie isn't really a big part of my life. So maybe that's why. But um, yeah. So and I, I Wikipedia this because I was interested. Mm-hmm. And this this little excerpt made me laugh. So it says. Miramax had attempted to have the case dismissed in addition to requesting that the court nullify Sh- roles, which is Shark Boy's real name, trademark on the basis that the plaintiff is a male whose services are rendered only when he's wearing the costume depicting shark-like attributes. Well, which is just like a funny like. <laughs> could you imagine the judge getting this case being like, what? The, come on. Like, really? We got to do this? <laughs> This asshole wrestler in Disney right. World that has a fin on his head. Who cares? We have murders. The judge, okay? get, the judge gets the, the the what is this? The, this that Hulkamania bullshit. The WrestleMania. <laughs> this thing's this is still going on. Shark Boy. <laughs> TNA was, was Harvey Weinstein. Mirmax is Harvey Weinstein's old company too. So oh, was he was, it? The, he was the head of Mirmax. So there's another little tidbit to, to throw into this <laughs> this Man, lawsuit. <laughs> but um. That doesn't stop him from winning this match. Yeah. He uh, <laughs> Go for wins with the Dead Sea Drop. Um, other than that, like you said, a fun match. Pretty short. The kids love Shark Boy. Everybody. The kids all did the fin thing with their head on their hand. They, they did it. Uh, everyone. Everyone was doing it. He's, uh, Good for a guy who said, you know what? I'm going to make this stupid thing work. And he's had a long career. 
Are you familiar with his Stone Cold gimmick? Yes, yes, I am. I've seen it before <laughs> on YouTube. That's, Shale, yeah. I'm a, yes, I'm a big fan of the parody that TNA has done with, with him and Jay Lethal both doing parody guys. It's, I'm a big fan of that. Yeah. Big, when big it's done stuff. well like that is, I'm a fan. Right, right. Um, it's a good little match there. But then after that, we got some more X Division action. Alex Shelley versus Shocker. Mm-hmm. You familiar with Shocker at all? Nope, not at all. This is one of the guys I'm like, who is this guy? So educate me. You've never seen the McDonald's commercial? No. Now I'm going to have to YouTube this. What are you talking about? So he debuts a few months before this in a very dramatic way. Like he's in the middle of a ring. He has his black outfit and a black mask and he takes it off and he reveals his face. And then this is nobody knows who this guy is. And mm-hmm. he's a wrestler. He wrestled in CMLL and lots of places in Mexico. He's a big star there. But nobody in Orlando, Florida knows who Shocker is. Nobody in America knows who Shocker is. Nobody here in um, Chicago knows who he is. Nope. And he, I, don't, I don't think he sticks around for very long. I'm honestly surprised he's lasted this long, which has been like three pay-per-views worth. Um, was this kind of like when WWF uh, hired, uh, it was Mystico, they turned into Sin Cara, and like, he was going to be this giant thing, and everyone's like, mm. yeah, we're good. We're, we don't care. We're good. No. Yeah. <laughs> That's actually a very good comparison. That would yeah. be like if, yeah, that'd be, I'd be exactly the same thing. Uh-huh. Um, but he's, so he's debuting this new look, right? So are you familiar with Rey Mysterio from WCW without his mask? Yeah. I think what was what was the group called? The filthy oh somethings. I don't remember. Yes, the filthy animals or something. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, sounds about right. When he he's shocker here is basically cosplaying Rey Mysterio from 2000. Here he has the denim overalls, the glasses, the beanie. Is like, <laughs> dude, this isn't gonna make people care about you. <laughs> like, hey. we like Rey Mysterio, we don't like you. Mm-hmm. Um. So there's a little, you know, they have a little interaction there backstage. Uh, Shane Douglas is interviewing them. Uh, basically, Alex Shelley pops up, which this is his return. I don't think it's his debut, but he had been gone from TNA for a while. Mm-hmm. But uh, Alex Shelley is basically like, oh, you only do Lucha Libre. I'm more well-rounded and it's very aggressive and whatever. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's it's very, very like yelling at each other. Like I could do wrestling moves better than like, who, who cares? Yeah. Um, but uh, like I said, there wasn't a lot of build to this show. There's like two weeks of build because of the whole TV thing. So there wasn't a lot of like build to any of these matches other than the main event, really. Um, but uh, it still was fine. It was entertaining enough. It wasn't terrible. Yeah. It wasn't as good as the first match, but it was fine. You had two like high flying fast matches to start. Yeah. And I liked it had more of like a uh, like a technical kind of aspect to it than the first one. The more first one is more like high flying planches and stuff like that. Yeah. Whereas this was more technical, which I like the change of pace there. And I've always been a big Alex Shelley guy. So it was good to see him. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I should mention that Mike Tanay did a good job in this match and throughout the show at like explaining the accolades and who these people were. Because it's almost like he's he, he was working the show like people were tuning in for the first time. Which is like, thank God I know what this guy has done now other than the McDonald's commercial. Because every time Shocker's on TV, they bring up this goddamn McDonald's okay. commercial. Nobody's seen this McDonald's commercial Mike Tanay. I don't care. Poor um, Mike. He's trying. Fuck, fuck Mike Tanay. You know what? You're right. <laughs> fuck Mike Tanay. Catch you to turn within 15 minutes. <laughs> um, but then, uh, so like midway through the match, Alex Shelley gets on his knees and kisses Shocker's feet. Which is a, a weird way to dis- to uh, distract your opponent, but it worked. So it allowed him to take advantage. Um, 
They trade all different kinds of roll-ups and stuff. But Shocker eventually is able to capitalize and get... I don't know how to describe this roll-up. It was some weird small package, sideways bullshit, but... Uh, Shocker gets the win out of nowhere. Yeah, he like countered out of like a Cobra clutch or something into a pin. It was weird. Yeah, it's like when you go for a uh, like a cross arm breaker from a standing position, mm-hmm. but he like wrapped his legs around him and hooked his legs. But it's like a whole thing. Never mind. The Cobra clutch was the next match. I had the wrong notes on this. This one ended with like a <laughs> head scissor small package. The Cobra clutch pin is next. It's coming up. Head scissor small package. That sounds yeah. right. That sounds right. Um, but yeah, good little match there. Um, yeah, anything else on it? No, I, when I started the show, I mean, I, we were DMing earlier, and I was like, this show wasn't great. And the first two matches are pretty good. They're, they're entertaining. But yeah. Now we get to this, like, weird part of the show. I, at least I think so. Yeah. When Shane Douglas shows up to interview people, I'm like, what's whoa, what's going on here? <clears throat> Can we talk about Shane Douglas for a second? What are your thoughts on him as a backstage guy? I'm so fucking annoyed with Shane Douglas. He's, he's just doing the <laughs> Shane Douglas thing as in a, in a polo that he's got at when you work at, like, Ace Hardware. So, <laughs> he's just doing his I, thing he's doing you know, the Shane hate, Douglas thing every time so they'll cut to him right and he always starts off with some weird noise mm-hmm. so it'll like be, it'll be like a match happening and it'll cut to him and be like oh so 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 we got uh like he always does some weird thing like that and his mannerisms are so exaggerated and he's like it's like almost trying to get himself over it mm-hmm. seems like well, maybe eventually like, you're, you're always looking for a payday when you're a wrestler. Always, you're always working. <laughs> just remember that they're all carnies. Can't fault them for that. We all love wrestling, but they're all just carnies at the end of the day. That's, that's a fact. Little wrestle con, and they'll they'll hustle you off. <laughs> he manages some team. I want to say it might be the Naturals, which we see later. I think mm-hmm. he eventually manages them. But um, whatever the case may be. So, so wait, you're telling me you didn't like uh, the Outlaw versus Ron Killings? The only thing I liked about this. Was neither both guys look exactly the same now as they did in two thousand five? Yeah, no shit. Dude. I, I prefer my arc, my our Ron the Truth Killings to be more funny. I don't need a serious thing. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't. I didn't. I they did the hype video, and I still don't understand why they were having a match. I still don't get it. I don't know what 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 they're fighting over. So you're saying their their uh, packages didn't uh, articulate the uh, the issues at hand. Was it too muddled by the five different sounds going on at the same time and the and the the aerial black fonts popping up at you? Yeah, I was confused, very confused. And they've got <laughs> they have, they all, everyone's got initials on their jacket. I'm like, what does that mean? And and all that. But so uh, it's just oh, like I'll a TV it match. It seemed like it seemed like a match that would be on TV. It wasn't a pay per view match. I'll, I'll try to lay it out kind okay. of succinctly here. So Ron Killings is in a three man faction called the Three Live Crew. So it's him, Conan, and BG James. So over the past like month or two, they've had tension because the outlaw, a.k.a. Billy Gunn, uh, he debuted and this kind of caused Conan and Ron Killings to kind of question where BG James, a.k.a. Road Dog, they questioned where, where his alliances were because we obviously have the, the New Age outlaw kind of history between those two. So they're like, are you with us or are you with him? Mm-hmm. And there's been kind of occurrences where they're tagging. And one guy accidentally hits another, and then you know the whole, how the whole thing goes. So there's been tension brewing between that faction, and, and Outlaw is kind of the catalyst for that. Okay. I'm not sure why it's Ron facing Outlaw, because it seems like Conan's had been more hostile. Conan's got other stuff to deal with later tonight. Maybe that's why. Yeah, yeah, I guess. And um, <laughs> and just back to the pre-match interview. So this, this made me laugh, because... Well, this is when Shane Douglas is interviewing one of them, but then eventually it's all the three live crew guys talking to each other. 
and BG is like, like, I'm with you guys. You know, you're, you're where my home is. Don't worry about that guy. He's saying all this stuff. And I'm like, man, this is a pretty good promo. But then they cut right to the, you know, pre-recorded video package for the match. And it automatically shows him cutting the exact same promo from impact. Yeah. That's that, <laughs> like almost word. And for again, word. this was a thing. Cause I'm watching the show and most of the time I'm watching shows like a large show. It's a lot of nostalgic retro wrestling stuff. And, and I've seen yeah. the shows a hundred times. This I've never seen before. So I always have to double check. I'm like, did, it, did that just happen? Like, did, am, I, am I missing right. something here? But this just seems, I guess from what you're telling me, kind of par for the course for the weirdness that is TNA from stuff like yeah. this to the one-legged man to I cannot wait to talk about the main event and how weird those rules of that match are. We'll talk I can't I don't yeah. want to get ahead of myself yet, but I feel like we kind of glazed over the one-legged man wrestling. But he was you know, he's he's also this is post him being destroyed by Brock Lesnar in WWE. So yeah. we know him. He's not just like a, I know him. So I I would have been weirded out if he was just a different one-legged wrestler I never heard of before. He actually had two legs. It yeah. was all a work. <laughs> yeah, it was a work, yeah. <laughs> or like in Forrest Gump, it was all blue screen with like Lieutenant Dan's right. legs. Exactly. Right, so, I mean, <laughs> you could lead lead the way on this this Ron Killings versus the the one Billy Gunn match or whatever we want, whatever their names are in TNA. The Outlaw. He's okay. the, I don't know who this Billy Gunn character you're talking about is. This is, is this the before or after the Voodoo Kid Mafia? This is before. So, so. Th- then he turns to Monty Sop or whatever his name is. Or <laughs> Kip James or whatever. He has a lot. Of, so I think he's Kip James and then he's Kip Sop. And then he's like some, like he's the hairdresser for the beautiful people or some, some weird stuff. Isn't his real know. name Monty Sop? It's definitely Sop. I think it might. Be. It's either Kip or Monty. What an asshole! <laughs> Sop. <laughs> what an asshole. Uh, you don't think Monty Sop would have gotten over in the Wikipedia him right now to figure out what his real name is. You show respect to the smoking gun, okay? Monty Sop. This is real name. Monty Kip Sop. Fifty-seven though, a... still looks good. So he'll kick my ass. Anyway, go <laughs> he's gonna to... hear this. Go, yeah. He's gonna find you. <laughs> he's gonna <laughs> Google me. Your go. punches are gonna slip off his baby oil. Probably. But... Probably. So, this this choker necklace will get caught around my thing. My, my <laughs> All right, go ahead. That's, Sorry, that's we're, we're too much Monty Sop talk. I'm trying to get into this barn burner of a match here. You know, it's uh, <laughs> yeah, just there's really not much mm-hmm. to it. A lot of this match is the outlaw. I'm, you know what? I'm gonna call him Monty Sop mm-hmm. from here on out. So, Monty Sop is uh, dominating our truth for the most part in this match. Uh, at one point, he just hits a low blow right in front of the ref, and the ref's like, oh. um, But then uh, Truth makes a comeback towards the end, but then just gets hit with the Famouser virtually out of nowhere. And uh, uh, that's, I think that's... Oh, no, no. So Monty Sop hits the Famouser, but he's like, no, no, no. I have another finisher. So he goes for the one and only, which I believe is what you were referencing earlier. It's like a Cobra Clutch slam, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like Jinder Mahal's finisher, but good. So good. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, so he goes for the one and only, but our truth reverses into a roll up for the win. So he gets a quick win out of nowhere. Uh, but Billy, or I'm sorry, Monty Sop uh, attacks our truth after. And then he hits the one and only after the bells rang and all that. Uh, he grabs a chair, brings it into the ring. But BG James Road Dog Road Dog comes out to make the save takes the chair away from Billy mm. and Billy turns his back to road dog dares him to hit him. But road dog can't do it. It's too much history. And then Conan comes out. Was this the match? The crowd was chanting new age outlaws. I think yes, it was. Okay. The, that was the moment. I believe. Yeah. Yes. 
uh, Conan comes out, chases Billy away, and then he, him and Road Dog bicker, and then just more tension between the three life crew. I mean, I, I hate to see it. I don't know about <laughs> that, you. That's what the, all these initials meant. I was confused. I because <laughs> Road Dog has something on his back too, like DLK. I don't know something on his back with something it was, he's in for. So I'm gonna tell you why these guys are cool. Okay. So they spell crew. K R E W. Okay. Okay. I hear you. I mean, yeah. maybe they'll get sued with a C. Maybe someone has that copy. C R E U or something like that. Okay. Something like that. Yeah. Um, this was just a mess. The whole thing was just a mess. We're, we're just getting started, buddy. Okay. Let's, uh, yeah. All right. Let's go. Keep going. I can't wait to keep talking. Oh, man. So uh, we're backstage with Scott Demore again. Thank God because I missed him so much. Uh, Scott, did I say Scott Demore? Shane Douglas. Shane Douglas is interviewing. Uh, Scott Demore is there. Says he's Hitler. Uh, yeah, you know the usual. So next match, um, no, but Scott Demore, the leader of Team Canada. He says, I'm paraphrasing, but he's basically like, yeah, there was Mussolini, there was Stalin, there was Hitler, and now there's me. Great leaders. It's like Jesus, <laughs> aggressive. <laughs> a, little, a little heavy-handed there, Scotty, but um. That uh, transition us transitions us into uh, the tag team title match. We have the champions, the Naturals versus Team Canada. So we got Eric Young and Petey Williams representing the Canadians. Um, so another underlying theme here. So Chris Candido, we mentioned earlier, just recently passed away, and he was the manager of the Naturals. So they've essentially just been alluding to the fact that they've found another manager. They, it's, it's supposed to be this whole mystery thing, right? Um, so the match gets underway. It's, the match was fine. It didn't really grip me at any point. Um, the Canadians are dominating a lot in the early parts of it. Uh, Chase Stevens, the guy on the Nastrals, it seems like they were beating up that guy for like 10 minutes straight. Like he got no offense. Mm-hmm. And I'll say this about the commentary. The commentary <laughs> did not like Team Canada. Holy shit, they were livid. At everything they were doing, which is like, uh, it it sells at their heels. The Team Canada thing has been done. It feels like it's been done like at least a dozen times across various promotions. And it never really works except for when the Hart Foundation did it in 96 or 97. But yeah. It just always seems to get people riled up. I mean, I live in America. I don't really hate Canadians. I don't care if they, like, crap on us. Like, some of your points are valid. I get it. Like, yeah, I get it. Like, Canadians' points are, <laughs> I hear you. Healthcare is pretty yeah. nice up there, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah we have gun violence. You know, I, that's fair, Canada. I get it, you know. <laughs> so, I like hockey. But, uh, yeah. yeah, it's it just doesn't do it for me. But it it works, though, like, with, with the live crowd. So, I kind of get why they still do it. across. Anybody. You didn't like the un-Americans? No, Christian Test and uh, or remember when who was it? Did, Lance Storm. WC, dying days at WCW, they turned Hacksaw Jim Duggan heel, and he joined like a Canada <laughs> team too. I I hope that's yeah, true. Yeah, it is. It I, definitely I hope it is. all might be in that. That's true. It definitely is. That was it was before or after he was a janitor and he found the U.S. title in the trash can. So <laughs> that's better than uh, Sergeant Slaughter turning on America. It is. It is a little better. Keep going with this uh, uh, Team Canada weirdness. <laughs> they're they're being dastardly, dastardly heels. This, these Canadians. You got Scott DeMorgan involved, and A One. This the big, stupid, muscled up jock that's a part of their faction as well. He's he's getting inter- he's interfering. 
yeah, so Chase Stevens is getting beat up, and then Andy Douglas, the other natural, makes the hot tag. And then it's pretty much just chaos at the end. Uh, toward, at the end, Andy Douglas gets hit with a hockey stick wrapped in a Canadian flag just to reinforce Canada. <laughs> that they're Canadian. Yes. So, and then this, so Andy Douglas gets hit, but then Jimmy Hart comes out and throws Chase Stevens a megaphone and he hits one of the guys and then the naturals win. He is the spiritual advisor apparently, huh? Was this like a, this I was, you? Yeah. there was no TV, so you didn't need to know, but. How long was this being built for? Any idea? This is the, the last pay-per-view was okay. when they first alluded to it. And then there was like two or three weeks of TV where they kind of alluded to it. But um, yeah, so it was a very well-built thing. And Jimmy Hart. Oh, baby. Yeah, it was a good shit, right? <laughs> Jimmy Hart's a nice guy, by the way. Do you ever get a chance to meet him? I have not met him, but I believe he's, you. He's looks, he's looks He does his hair the same. And he looks the same. He's got the glasses. Looks the same. He's got, he yeah. brings the megaphone with him wherever he goes. And good guy, that Jimmy Hart. I just saw a documentary. I forget what documentary he was in recently. It was like Dark Side of the Ring or something, but he looks pretty much mm-hmm. the same. <laughs> just maybe thinner hair, but other than that. Yeah, he was on the A&E Hidden Treasures with Beefcake and Greg Valentine, too. He was talking about that. Gotcha. Um, so the Naturals win, and Jimmy Hart, I guess, is their manager. Which brings us to pretty much the reason I wanted to watch this show. Okay. The debut of Samoa Joe. Which is very timely, of course, with him yes. being back in WWE slash NXT. Look at us. We got Slammiversary coming up. We got Samoa Joe returning. And this this better explode. Now, let, mm-hmm. me, let me tell you. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Hundreds of downloads. Thousands. <laughs> Thousands. Uh, and he's facing Sanjay Dutt, which I love Sanjay Dutt, but he's here to just get a beat down. Um, but honestly, I expected uh, it to be more of a squash mm-hmm. than it ended up being because... Uh, the original player from the Himalaya, I mean, he got a lot of offense in this match. It was probably like a 70-30 more so than anything. Um, but like like you said, Samoa Joe here, baby Joe. I was surprised how much offense that Samoa Joe let him get in. Like yeah. he, Samoa Joe whooped his ass and it was a squash, but it wasn't a complete, you know, Goldberg-Ryback-esque squash match. Yes. It was... It was a wrestling match. I think maybe he want they wanted to show off. He's an awesome wrestler, and even Don West points out a lot about he's big, but look how agile he is, and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And he is. And I didn't, I didn't know Samojo and ROH. Uh, ROH, I like you said, I kind of like started hearing rumblings about them because they would always do shows out here in the Chicago area at a place, a little suburb called Chicago Ridge, at like a field house. So I'd always get yeah. flyers for their shows and everything like that. And eventually, I would start going to them. But this was probably later on 2008 2009 when i started going to those so i knew of roh but i did not know samoa joe did you mm-hmm. were you like did you know where he was yet did you know who samoa joe was so i mean at this time i didn't know who samoa mm-hmm. joe was but um it's funny because i also do a timeline on ring of honor where i started from the beginning and literally just like two or three weeks ago i covered uh his debut in ring of honor as well and, and let me tell you it was him versus low key and i don't know if you've ever seen that match but it's literally just two guys actually hitting each other very hard mm-hmm. for a long time. Um, and he was that, that's kind of almost what I was expecting with this match. But I was, like you said, I was expecting more of like a Goldberg kind of squash. Yeah. Kind of like what, remember when Kevin Owens debuted in NXT where he just beat the hell out mm-hmm. of the guy? I forget who even who he wrestled, right. but it, it was, was uh, CJ Parker. Yeah. It's like he's arrived here and he's, he yep. even like cut his nose and, and all that. Like he made an impact. 
no pun intended, where Samoa Joe did here as well. Big impact. He sure did. He sure did. Um, like you said, man, he's Joe was so quick back then, man. He was scary fast. Um, oh, yeah, he's still strong, obviously. Super stiff. Like in particular, that that corner Uranagi that he does, which he still he's did all the way up until he last wrestled. He dropped Sanjay Dutt right on his fucking head. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's yes, like, he man, this is what I this is what I didn't pay to see, you know. Um, but yeah, a lot of good off. He hits all of his signature moves, the sentons and all that. Um, ultimately hits the muscle buster mm-hmm. followed by the coquina clutch rear naked choke. Sanjay Dutt taps immediately and Smojo is one and oh in TNA. And I started kind of going down the rabbit hole of Smojo and, and impact in TNA. And he basically didn't lose until Kurt Angle showed up. Right, that's Correct. that's what it built him as. I do remember the Angle Joe feud. That's kind of when I started watching Impact a little bit because mm-hmm. I started listening to a wrestling podcast back when there weren't that many of them out there, and they were kind of reviewing these shows and they were talking about what was their big blow off. Where was it the cage match, uh, lockdown, where it was like an MMA yeah. style fight? Was that kind of their blow off to the end of their feud? I believe so. I think because they had a few matches when Kurt debuted. Mm-hmm. I think they kind of like took it. There was a period where they kind of didn't fight each other. And then lockdown, I think might have been like a year after that. Yeah. My timeline might be off, but that's what I remember. But yeah, that's what I kind of remember. So in a way, this guy I never heard of, Samojo, you know, comes in, he's so good. And even me not being Mm -hmm. a huge wrestling fan at all at the time, I I was in. I knew who Samojo was. So awesome stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And like you said, he made an impact immediately. And then we're off. We're off to the races. Would you say he made total non-stop impact or no no, oh, no i left I you hanging that. there <laughs> that'd be that'd be a stupid thing to say oh man i have this new media board now i should have done the old uh fuck i don't even know how to do it it's okay at least the time he oh, didn't man. go way past it and oh be... man I'll, I'll add it in post don't worry <laughs> um <laughs> um there you go there why is it so fucking delayed i need that's anything. even better the jits even better <laughs> Leave it in. Do Man, not change that. I have leave it in. I have an egg on my face now. <laughs> leave it in. Anyway, Smojo's a badass. We could agree. Yada yada yada. Yeah. Um, but then uh, after that, cuts backstage to Raven. Uh, seems like he's in the bowels of the arena somewhere. Um, says a lot here, but uh, pretty much summarizes by saying that he's a human cancer and that he'll win tonight because no one else in the match is willing to make their wives widows or their parents childless. I think this is a little too intense for 2005 wrestling. <laughs> Do you think? <laughs> this is like 97 promo is what this should yeah. be. This is not 2005 promo. That that would have been more appropriate in his ECW run. Yeah. I yeah. Think. Or even maybe in the flock in WCW. Maybe. But mm. this is just intense. I'm like, oh, okay. It's a lot. It's, it's a lot to face fucking AJ Styles Scotty, later. Old like, Scotty, Johnny Polo out there <laughs> cutting promos. Uh, oh, Scotty Flamingo. You got to love him. Um, but then, boy, howdy. This next match, we have Bobby Roode of Team Canada versus Lance Hoyt. Speaking of babies. A.K.A. Lance Archer. Couple of Man. babies here, huh? Couple of babies. Two guys still going today. Yep. Pretty much at the same kind of pace, if not better, Bo- I dare say. Bobby Roode's today. kind of recognizable. Like, oh, that's Bobby Roode. But 
Hoyt, I could, I, it took me a second to like confirm. Like, is that who I think it is? And it was. You saw the tramp stamp, and you're like, wait a minute. I, I just, I just see how big he is. I'm like, that's a massive yeah. guy. I'm like, okay, I, I got it, I get it. That's got to be a guy. Um, but because he used to go by the name Dallas, so he gets in the ring, and Mike Tenay calls him the Big Man from Big D. Mm-hmm. What you got on that one? I got nothing. <laughs> I got nothing on that one. This is just this whole show. The whole theme of this show is okay. There's there's cool stuff, and then just something weird happens out of nowhere. And yep. I don't know who is Jeff Jarrett's the producer at this time, right? He's he's still kind of in charge. He's, he's producing. He's it. somewhere. He's somewhere up there. Yeah, he's got to be the main guy. And this may have been a little bit of let these guys do whatever they want, which is great, but have kind of a direction. Which is, again, why I think Impact didn't catch on as much because they were just never picked a lane to Satan. Mm-hmm. And it was another thing, too. This is pre Vince Russo. Yeah. So. Is Cornette here yet? No, I don't okay. believe so. I, I think Dusty Rhodes is still okay. book, booking and all that stuff. But um, it's weird to get people shit on Russo, but once he got there is when storylines, I mean, they weren't all good, but like a lot of it was very good you know Kurt, and it also kind of plays into people debut and you get like christian in a few months gets in there and then kurt angle and sting so that plays a lot into it too but at this point the storylines didn't make sense or give you any reason to care it was tough with an otv too <laughs> they're, they're, yeah. they're on hiatus right now they're shooting free tapings in orlando and about to go mm-hmm. on their website for however long it was however hiatus this was yeah yeah, but uh, basically, there's there's not much of a story here, but Lance Hoyt is kind of like a cult favorite in the Impact Zone. Like, people okay. just cheer for him. I haven't really figured out why, but I don't know if it's because of irony, because mm-hmm. he's, I don't know, I don't know what it is. But um, people love Hoyt in the Impact Zone, and you have Bobby Roode, who's Canadian, so we hate him, right? So We um, went over this, yes. We don't like Canadians. Yes. <laughs> Um, the match is what it is. Again, it's, this one didn't really capture my attention that much. Um, I, I do love, like, at the start of the match, Lance gives Bobby Roode some shoves, and Bobby Roode gets, like, shot out of a cannon. Like, he goes all the way across the ring. Um, but that doesn't last long because Roode kind of takes advantage, I guess, because he's the heel, and that seems like the theme here. Um, <laughs> there was one part that made me laugh, though. So there was a part where uh, Lance is giving him the old 10 punches in the corner. Mm-hmm. Rude counters it with an atomic drop, or he tries to do an atomic drop. But Lance Hoyt, I guess he's like too tall for it to like affect him, so yeah. he missed. But Mike Tanay did not catch this. <laughs> so he's like, Mike Tanay doesn't, he, it doesn't click in his brain that, oh, he didn't hit him. He thought that it just didn't phase him, which is what he said. on. So I think to this day, Mike Tanay just think Lance Archer doesn't have any balls. <laughs> so, well, they're looking at the monitors. It wasn't a clear shot, or maybe he was looking up from the monitor at the time. Maybe he missed it. We'll give mm, Tanay the a lot going on. Again, I'm, I'm back. I was anti Tanay at the start of this, and I'm defending him now. You're you're the Man, one giving crap all. What a what a double turn <laughs> it is here. Team Canada, it's the God. win. <laughs> but uh, yes, so I, Scott Demore, the manager. Distracts Lance Hoyt. Bobby Roode hits the Northern Lariat for the win. They beat down Hoyt after for whatever reason. Uh, this leads to Scott Demore 
taking his shirt off for some reason. Yeah. I guess he's, he was a big, big Hardy Boys fan, I guess. I mean, that's, that's the thing. Yeah, this is, again, a weird thing that just gets the crowd heat and then happy again after he misses a moonsault. Yeah, and uh, I didn't expect a moonsault from him at, by any means, so that was impressive. But uh, like you said, he misses Lance Hoyt and then gets choke slammed, and then Lance Hoyt hits a moonsault of his own. And boy, howdy, his commentary just beating up on Scott Tamorton <laughs> for being fat, just for being fat and Canadian. And Don West isn't exactly a slender fellow himself, so it's like, well, what? Because they're like, they, they bring out a stretcher for Scott Demore, and they're like, oh, can the stretcher even hold him up? <laughs> I'm surprised the ring's still standing after, like, all that stuff. It's like, is this necessary? I think they're just trying to fill time because they, they're they seeing the same thing we're seeing. They're like, we got to put this over, maybe. Maybe that's what they're thinking. Yeah, they got to give some energy somewhere. They even do the whole na-na-na-na, mm-hmm. that whole thing, but, like, they're doing it in the commentators, which is a weird kind of cringy thing. It was like, just like cartoonish, all of this stuff. I appreciate the emotion, but it was a little too over the top for me, I think. But, um, yeah. Anything on Lance Archer and Robert Roode? No. And even Roode was a guy when he came to NXT, I was a big fan of. I knew who he was from Impact in his later days in TNA. And Archer, I didn't yeah. really get into, even in Aaron, I'm AEW now. Like, he's okay. But I don't know. He just doesn't do it for me. I'm not a, the biggest fan. I liked his act in Japan because he felt more like a monster there. Whereas in AEW, he just kind of feels like a like a cartoon character at some. It kind of feels like a more generic somehow in AEW. Mm-hmm. Um, not as bad as his ECW run. Do you remember? Do you remember Vance Archer in WWE ECW or the original ECW? Yes. WWE ECW. No, that's this is the time when because that. WWE ECW was like 2007, 2006, 2008. Mm-hmm. And that's when I just kind of just starting to dip my toe back in and get into wrestling. So I wasn't watching that really. So you didn't get into uh, Ricky Ortiz or nope. Colin Delaney or. <laughs> no, I missed all that stuff. What a shame. You better. Uh... And I haven't gone back to watch it. Hey, yeah. December to dismember. You should uh, mm-hmm. give it, give it a look. But um, after this, we got America's most wanted. Versus the three live crew once again, because we didn't get enough of them uh, earlier in the show. So we have them facing Chris Harris and James Storm. Uh, AMW was probably one of the hottest acts in TNA at this point. Um, Because like I said, tag team wrestling was a big deal for them. And they were they've like main evented pay-per-views. Um, that Elix Skipper walk in the cage spot that we brought up earlier that they were facing AMW. So that was a whole big thing for all guys involved. Um, but they've been on a bit of a losing streak. So we got tension amongst AMW, but also tension with three live crews. How are these guys going to get like all the whole thing? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, again, this match was not a lot to it. I tried to watch this whole show in one sitting, but it was at this point where I was like, I should probably finish it tomorrow. <laughs> I didn't watch it in one sitting. Full disclosure, I, uh, I it was like three parts I watched this in. And the, this part is when I turned it back on. I must have taken a break after a certain match. But I was like, man, Conan's looking good. He's moving around really well. Yeah, I was surprised. He did like the old rolling. He did like a somersault into a clothesline. I was like, man, this guy is like in a matter of years. He's like using a cane. So it's like, geez. Um, but uh, eventually... So they're having this match. Then the outlaw comes out. Monty Sop is back. 
and uh, he starts beating up on Conan. Conan is not the legal person at this point, so he's just beating him up outside of the ring, uh, which distracts Conan's partner, Road Dog. And this allows AMW to hit the heart attack, I guess, for the win. Mm-hmm. Um, so AMW gets the win. They get out of there pretty quickly. Uh, I guess the story here is the further tension amongst three live crew. Uh, Road Dog is pissed that Conan wasn't there to make the tag. Although, like, did he not see him get his ass kicked on the outside? Um, so Road Dog is he's he's upset, and then he just walks through the. He doesn't even walk out through the tunnel. He just walks out through the crowd because there's basically a situation where Billy Gunn was in one was on one ramp, and then he had Conan on the other, and he just chose neither of them. I guess is the story here. Um, mm-hmm. Honestly, I'm just waiting for the Voodoo Kin Mafia to. <laughs> <laughs> to, to arise from this the vkm for sure is subtle right yeah <laughs> clever vkm very very clever initials by those guys yeah. good match right and yeah Five and stars. now road dogs shining vince mcmahon shoes yeah <laughs> funny how things change but um so this brings us to our co-main event i guess is a three-way elimination match for the x division title so we got christopher daniels the champion versus michael shane and chris saban what are your thoughts on michael shane if any are you familiar with him at all nope you have to educate me so he is the cousin of Shawn michaels and really that's his gimmick <laughs> well, this is, okay I was gonna say, this gimmick. no 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 he, he is no he, Real he, life? he legitimately is but his, his gimmick is hey I'm Shawn Michaels' cousin. Okay, I was unaware of this. Look at okay. the super kicks and elbow drops I do. It's kind of like Shawn Michaels, but worse. Right, guys? All right. All right. That's him. That's Michael Shane. <laughs> um, and I don't even... I'm debating if I even want to try to explain the story. I, I need like a diagram for this. So, last pay-per-view, right? Hard Justice. We had a mixed tag team match. So we had Chris Sabin te- teaming with Tracy versus Michael Shane and Trinity. But there was a, a double swerve at the end where Tracy gave Chris Sabin a low blow and then Michael Shane gave Trinity a super kick. Now I know what you're thinking. Which one's Tracy and which one's Trinity? Because both have black hair and have dark features and have similar first names that start with a T and that are one name, right? I agree. That's all very confusing. I'm, I was confused explaining that. I hope I got that right. But there's basically a, a double turn where they basically switched partners. So there's like this whole, I don't know if even if you, if it's like a romance thing or if it's just people being dicks, but um, so they have that little issue going on. And then I guess they thought to themselves, huh, let's just make this for the X division title and get Christopher Daniels factored in somehow. Mm-hmm. So that's why this match is happening. So the match happens, and it's a pretty good match, honestly. It was a little slow in the beginning. The triple threat aspect of it was kind of, it felt like it was dragging a little bit. The the X Division seemed to me like that's kind of always what everybody points to for TNA during this time. X Division was always kind of the division for people, right? It was kind of the big mm-hmm. deal. Okay. Yeah, I, I I don't associate Michael Shane with the X Division Yeah, it, that's the thing. Like, I associate... The other guys, like Chris Saban, Christopher Daniels, that's kind of some of the guys I think of with the X Division stuff. And if this like was AJ's, just a singles match between those guys, I think this would have been a whole lot better, yeah, honestly. It's, it's like a B 
B match. It's good. It's not bad. It's yeah. a B, but I think that's a good point. If it was a singles, it'd probably be an A, a really good match. Yeah, I mean, probably honestly one of the better matches of the show. Um, but uh, like I said, it's an elimination match. And at some point, both women get in the ring for the obligatory cat fight that everyone in the audience has probably been waiting for this whole time, honestly. But um, <laughs> Mike, Mike today had a funny line. God, I forget what exactly he said, but it was like, oh, they're trying to get back at each other, but don't say tit for tat. It's because they both have tits. That was his, you know, his his big zinger out there. Yeah, it's, it's probably what he had written down. It's probably waiting for the whole show to say it. <laughs> <clears throat> tits. So, <laughs> <laughs> nice. good timing on that one. <laughs> but uh, the first elimination comes when so Chris Saban has Michael Shea on his shoulders, getting ready to hit the cradle shock, his finisher. Daniels has Trinity hooked up for the angel's wings. Now remember Trinity is now with Saban. So it's almost like Daniels is threatening Saban that, Hey, if you do this, I'm going to hit Trinity with this. But first of all, it's an elimination match. So why does it matter? Second of all, you know, it's clear that Chris Saban doesn't care about Trinity. It's a whole thing, but I guess that's a story they're trying to tell there. Mm -hmm. But, um, good. No, I was going to just saying it's, it's a good match. It's, it's good. Yeah. It's nothing really else to add to it. Just it's good. And I feel like a lot of times throughout the show, I might feel like we're kind of crapping on this show and we are at points, but it'd be like, if you were to watch one match on this show, I'd say it's this, the X division match. Yeah. You know, you pick one. I would agree. Although or, I love ridiculous and bad wrestling. So maybe the main event, I was about to say the main event just for the pure entertainment. Value right. Maybe, and just the, the backwardsness of it. So, yeah, so Michael Shane gets eliminated with the cradle shock. And then, like like we said, if it was a singles match, because that's what it ended up being at the end, and that's kind of when it picked up. So you had some good false finishes at the end. You have Daniels hitting the BME. You have uh, Saban hitting the springboard DDT. But ultimately, Saban goes for the cradle, the cradle shock on Daniels. But Daniels fights out of it and hits the Angels' wings out of nowhere onto Saban for the win. So Daniels retains his title here. Like I said, this is like now that we got Samoa Joe here, this is when like the X division really picks up between him with him and AJ mm. and all those guys. So this is really just a precursor to when the X division that's, becomes really good, I think. Well, that's kind of cool. Yeah. Um, Sorry, I hit my microphone there, but that's kind of cool. <laughs> Unprofessional. Well, I got a baseball head on. I was hitting the pop filter. What can I say? <laughs> well, at least you didn't lick the microphone and then rub your head on it like. Monty Brown did <laughs> and this this next that's a segue. What a segue. What a segue. <laughs> but uh yes, yeah, so we got a Monty Brown promo here. I just bring it up because I love when when Monty Brown cuts a promo, I don't know what the fuck he's talking about, but I love mm-hmm. it. I love every syllable. Um and then uh so that builds up to the main event which he's included in. So we have the NWA World Title on the line. And it's a King of the Mountain match. We have the champion, AJ Styles, versus Monty Brown, versus Raven, versus Abyss, versus Sean Waltman. So why don't you explain so, the rules of this match? I was literally about like, <laughs> did, did they did they properly articulate the rules to you? No. Because they didn't really seem They like. didn't. I figured it out, but yeah. I feel like this, so this you know, is, we always like crap on WWE. Like, okay, we know the rules of the Royal Rumble. We don't need the, the graphics for it. We know it. But 
We needed we needed, a, we needed that great. We need a graphic guy to tell us the rules of this. So could you explain to everyone and to me? I'll try. I can't promise I'll have it right, but I'll try. So it is a reverse ladder match because just having a ladder match would have been too silly. So it's a reverse ladder match, a.k.a. you have to take the title and hang it up. And whoever does that wins. But in order to be eligible to hang the title, you have to pin somebody. And when you pin somebody, that person that got pinned gets put in a penalty box for two minutes. And uh, yeah, is that clear? Yeah, it's pretty straightforward, yeah. right? right. So what you said makes sense, but it yeah. makes no sense why you would have a match like that. Particularly the penalty box cage, which looks like a, a red dog crate. Yeah, <laughs> it was very... Uh... So the biggest thing that's goofy about this is once you get pinned or submitted, you have to go into the penalty box... But if you're like a heel or something, what's the punishment if you don't go in that box? There's no disqualification. Right, so why would you go so in the box? I can't imagine there's any. There's <laughs> literally no reason. It was funny because whenever somebody would get eliminated, it would have like two or three refs just literally just dragging your body and chucking you. So I guess that's kind of the premise is that you're like too out of it to fight I guess. Back. But it, I don't know. I, I don't really mind and why is it just two minutes like i feel like two minutes is not a lot of time to be well, out of it it's like, the hockey like reference cover this is a whole canada theme show my two minute minor sports maybe. i don't know the, the, i don't mind the reverse ladder match aspect of it of putting the belt back on maybe it, it'd be cool if it was something else you had to put back up there i don't know like the belt seems kind of silly like i have the belt why like am what? i putting it back up but what, what would you prefer them to put back up there? up there yeah um maybe like screw in a light bulb or something yeah or you know, like a like a, a TNA T-shirt or something, or, or a contract. I don't know, something, something. So <laughs> really off, off topic. I went to an indie show last year, or a year and a half ago, whenever it was, mm-hmm. and the it was a ladder match was the main event, and the winner of the ladder match got a contract for a title match. So that was kind of the deal. So the mm-hmm. contract they printed out on a on paper and put on a clipboard, but they used black and white laser jet printer for the contract but you could even get color for this guys come on <laughs> 20 cents for the colored printout i was just it was just funny and also it's an, is uh at a like a vfw hall so the ceilings the ceilings may be 11 feet tall so they're using like a 10 foot ladder to get to 11 foot ceiling it was a cool it was a, <laughs> it was a funny visual at least this had the big studio aspect of it so that was cool right you know it's funny you said it'd be better if you hung something up well, let me tell, let me ask you this because there was something similar, of, uh, like earlier in the year of 2005. It was a match between Jeff Hardy and Abyss, I believe, mm-hmm. and it was a ladder match. But up hanging was three envelopes, and you had to basically. So there was, I forget what it was. It was like one envelope. No, it was two envelopes. One you got a title shot, and one you got some sort of punishment. I forget what it was. Or no, no, the second one there was nothing in it. So you literally had to climb this ladder. Like, let's make a deal. The old game show. You got to pick it. <laughs> you, it's literally, dude. You take this envelope. You open it up while you're on this, this ladder. Amazing. I got to start you watching got, old TNA. Pull, this is amazing. Pull the paper out. Oh, what's in it? Oh, no. It's, it's the nothing. Now I got to slowly. Cr- oh, they knocked me down now. It's like they couldn't just have a fucking ladder. Match. I get trying to stand out from WWE. I get it. I totally yeah, yeah, get yeah. it. But they had enough talented wrestlers on this roster, even at this time. Where they didn't need to do this. And, yeah. all, and all things considered, this match was still entertaining to watch. It was. It was There was a lot going on. Um, and feel free to cut in sure. you know, wherever because there's, there's a lot going on here. So 
match gets underway. They try to explain the rules, but it's kind of like throughout the match, they kind of keep adding little things here. Like, um, for example, Samadhi Brown, he gives Raven the pounce, like 30 seconds into the match, pins him. I love the pounce. I will always pop for the pounce. So Raven gets thrown in the box. Um, but they didn't really quite have the time figured out because Raven got out like f- 15 seconds early. So he's in the ring. He g- gets in the ring. He starts fighting people. But the timer on the bottom left-hand corner is still shows Raven. And it still has like 15 seconds left. And stupid Jeremy Borash is still counting down as if Raven is still in this box. So there was a little a <laughs> delay there it's, somewhere. It's a dog cage. It's not a box. A box <laughs> would indicate they couldn't see what was going on. It's literally a dog cage. A dog crate. If you had like a... St. Bernard, big dog, this is what you'd put him in. It's like the current Hell in a Cell if there was like a toy yeah, version. Yeah, that's exactly, exactly. Basically. Um, so Raven's back in there. Uh, Monty Brown then takes X-Pac and pins him with the Alpha Bomb. So Monty Brown is just pinning everybody. I don't know why he keeps pinning. Oh, I guess he, if they get thrown in the box. Um, then Monty Brown then gives the pounce to AJ Styles knocking him all the way out of the ring and Raven pins AJ on the floor. So I guess it's also false count anywhere, or maybe they're just making up the rules as they go Mm -hmm. along. They should have made this clear at the beginning. We should have had the graphic. They should have quick table, some bullets. That's all we need. Um, Mike Tanay makes a point because now AJ and X-Pac are in the the box to get in there in the cage together. So Mike Tanay is like, Oh, Sometimes you make friends when you're in there in the penalty box and and then it cuts to AJ and X-Pac who are like talking to each other and shaking hands and allegedly creating some sort of alliance or whatever the fuck, um, which comes into play later. (laughs) And then, uh, so Abyss back in the ring hits Monty Brown with the black hole slam. So he pins all these guys that are getting pins are now eligible to hang the belt up. Um, X-Pac sets up a table on the outside lays abyss on it and then aj styles hits the spiral tap through the table so like a corkscrew splash of sorts through the table onto abyss so i guess this all plays into them working together because they were in the cage together um and also because there is a few occurrences in this show where this happened the, the tables that they had they looked like did you ever get like the action figure tables where it was just like a clean like break. That's what it, it, it reminded yes, me. The zigzag break. Yeah. There was yeah. no like shards of wood. It was just like it's two pieces. <laughs> Which is probably how all tables should break in wrestling. I think we so. don't want the craziness. To be, we want them to be safe. But yeah. I guess maybe Impact was looking out. Or these were like the stunt tables from the Universal Studios tour. They just grabbed You know them. what? That literally, I bet you that's true. I bet you that's true. Yep. They just grabbed them. Um, so. Abyss is like there's some blood in this match too, which yeah. I was kind of surprised. That kind of threw me for a loop because this whole show there's nothing like that, and all of a sudden Ravens busted open. Yeah, yeah. Normally there's actually a lot of blood on in TNA shows, but for whatever reason, this one was an outlier. But uh, so Abyss is laid out. AJ and X Pac, who I guess now are teaming with each other, both start climbing the ladder in the middle of the ring. X Pac even hands AJ the title for him to uh, hang it up. So I guess now he's. Always, he's helping AJ, and then bam, X-Pac, mm-hmm. the one, two, three kid, nails him, and then hits the X-Factor off the top of the ladder. Looked amazing. I got to say this about X-Pac, because there's a lot of old-timers. He's not really an old-timer. He's like in his early 30s at this point, I think. But mm-hmm. a lot of like legends and big names from WWE and WCW 
come into TNA in this era. But I, X-Pac worked his ass off in this match, I thought. Yeah, and he's in great shape, too. Yeah. He's not overweight. doesn't have, like, a beer belly or anything like that. And I don't know what his sobriety or mental state was at this mm. point, but he, he he wasn't there to screw for to screw around. He was there to prove himself. Yeah, yeah. even all of his facials and his emotions, even, like, at the end of the match, were really, like, he, he gave a shit, which is not, like, outlaw. I can't really say the outlaw gave a shit. He's only 33 right now in 2000. I just looked it up. He's yeah. 33 in 2005. So he's still young. That sounds right. He's looking like the one, two, three kid that beat Razor Ramon. Um, mm-hmm. But with a beard. Yes, of course. Because he's a man now. One, two, three, man. One, two, three, man. <laughs> uh, so now I bet you're asking yourself, man, I wish this match had a staple gun. Well, Raven is here <laughs> to supplement that for you. Mm-hmm. Brings it in. Staples X-Pac in the head with it. Um, but X-Pac fights out, retaliates, gives a low blow to Raven, and then takes the staple gun and staples Raven's balls. <clears throat> Did we get a close-up of the staple? Have we confirmed his balls were stapled, yeah, or was it was it shooting blanks? I'll I'll Google stapled balls after this, and I'll let you know what okay. my findings. Okay, let me know. I'm sure don't I'll you, find Raven. your screen. <laughs> I'm sure I'll find <laughs> Slammiversary 2005. Yeah, that's what you'll find. First thing will come up. <laughs> Um, yeah, and then Abyss gets knocked down too, and then X Pac also staples his balls. So I guess that's his gimmick now. But then uh, Mike Tanay once again very confused. He Waltman starts climbing the ladder with the belt because, as we remember b- before, he pinned AJ Styles with X Factor from the top of the ladder. But Mike Tanay apparently mm-hmm. forgot all of this throughout all the chaos. So he's like, uh, Sean Waltman, he he's not eligible, and then Don West is like. Ah, let me tell you something, Professor. I pinned him. <laughs> that whole thing. Um, That's okay. But it's okay. It happens. We'll, we'll allow it. There's a lot going on. Um, so both AJ and X-Pac, once again, are climbing the ladder. Abyss pushes the ladder over, and both men go flying to the outside, including AJ, through a table. So that takes out both of those guys. Uh, Abyss then tries to climb the ladder himself. But Monty Brown is back in and gives him the pounce off the ladder through a table that's set up in the corner. Um, loved it. But then Raven gets in there and hits the even flow DDT on Monty Brown. And this allows Raven to climb the ladder and hang the title up. And we have a new NWA world champion, Raven. And the crowd loves it. Rick Flair, Dusty Rhodes, Harley Race, Raven. Raven. <laughs> NWA <laughs> champs. <laughs> Throw in Ron Killings in there somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot. But uh, a lot of chaos <laughs> in this match. But honestly, I was very entertained throughout the whole thing. See, I think this show, if you watch it split up, it's fine. Like, if you just, if this was a, by the way, this whole pay per view is for free on YouTube, by the way. Because mm-hmm. I was going to sign up for Impact Plus, and I was like, oh, this is for free on YouTube. I'm good. Right. On the Impact official channel. If they were just to put this individual match on their YouTube channel or something, it's cool to watch in, in a vacuum. Mm-hmm. It's a fun little thing to watch. And the pay per view itself at times dragged a little bit, but I think breaking it up made it more fun yeah. to watch. Yeah, I typically, because there, it was a, what, three hours? Yeah, I just believe. under three hours. Yeah, just under. Which is nothing for today's pay-per-views, but yeah, just under three hours. Yeah, but yeah, like, yeah, I agree. It kind of, they all typically in this era kind of drag a little bit at some point, so it's hard to get through it uh, from start to finish. But 
Yeah, ultimately, this overall, I enjoyed this pay-per-view. I think it had a lot of good moments, and mm-hmm. it, it was very limited on the amount of, like, old, like, because they've had, like, Dustin Rhodes before and uh, a bunch of other guys. Scott that, Hall, Kevin Nash. Scott, yes, exactly. And it's, like, it, it felt like kind of more of a changing of the guard. Like, not all of it was good, but it, for the most part, it seemed like younger guys that were being set up for the future, mm-hmm. I think. Cool. Uh, um, but yeah, any other thoughts on Slammiversary 05? Just just what you said. This show is is a mess. It's nuts, but it's not bad. Like some pay-per-views are just bad and hard to watch. This definitely was not one of them. And I think when you messaged me a few weeks back, a couple months back now about it, you're like, hey, do you want to do this? My initial thought was to say, no, it's kind of not my thing. But I was like, you know what? Let me get take a shot at a show I've never seen before and have no context of. And it was fun to do. Yeah. It was fun to check out. I love watching all kinds of wrestling, and I'll always check out stuff I've never seen before. But it was it was definitely cool to watch, and I want to find more King of the Mountain matches and just more goofy yeah. TNA rule matches to check I th- out. I think it becomes like a, a Slammiversary tradition for a good amount of time where they always have a King of the Mountain. I think it's where Kurt Angle won his first title. Okay. Um, I don't know if they've done it recently. They might bring it back. Hopefully, they bring it back sometime soon. Yeah. I'd love to see it in modern day. They might give me to tune in, but... um. Yeah, is it's you're clearly very positive about this show. Speaking of positive, positively pro wrestling. Why don't you tell everybody uh, where they can find you? Sure, you can find us for the Positively Pro Wrestling podcast. Been around four and a half years or so now, and you can find us on Twitter at PPW Podcast. That's where the show information is and all that stuff, and all the interactions that I run the account with. Me and Eric do the show every week or every other week whenever we have time. And then Instagram, PPW underscore podcast. Someone stole PPW podcast just for random Bastards. wrestling pictures. Yeah, exactly. And then all your favorite podcast apps, just search Positively Pro Wrestling Podcast. We're on there for you. Initially, the main point of the show was to be positive. Because when I first started the show, there was all these like podcasts where they would just you flip it on and just be them shitting on stuff for two hours. Mm-hmm. Like, all right, I can do that. But I love wrestling. Yeah. Let's talk about things I like about wrestling. And that's what we did. And over time, it's morphed into what it is now, which is basically a nostalgia-type show where, for example, we just did SummerSlam 90, and it was take let's, – let's talk about the show, but talk about also where we were as a fan at the time, what was going on in our lives at the time. Because I feel all of us who were born from, like, 1979 to, like, 1990 or so have the same type of upbringing where it was just before the internet was being out and huge, and we're all discovering things, reventing videotapes and things like that. And I think on our mm-hmm. last show, I ended up telling a story about how my mom more or less stole the Chris Chelios Blackhawks jersey for me by switching price tags. And just you get oh, it, no. we're these weird rabbit holes. So we just try to keep it fun and nostalgic and positive and always looking for show suggestions and always looking for podcast buddies and all that stuff too. So PPW Podcast on Twitter and Positively Processing Podcast on your favorite podcast apps. Oh, yeah. yeah. You guys do a good job over there. I actually just listened to your uh, ECW One Night Stand 05 mm-hmm. episode earlier today. And it was that's a show I don't remember a lot about. Like, I, I thought I remembered a lot about it. But when you guys listen, you guys talk about it like, man, I forgot. Right. Same deal. Like, this is 2005. Same uh, chronically same thing. And I wasn't watching at the time. So that's a weird show because that ECW show is a nostalgia show for sure. But it's not a nostalgia show for me personally. So it's kind of cool to, mm-hmm. to look back at that. Because I'm sure there's somebody yeah, that sure. has a huge nostalgia for Slammiversary 2005 out there, and we're kind of right, shitting right, all yes. over it. But <laughs> but it doesn't matter. I, I I love bad pay-per-views. I I love like WrestleMania Nine. Like it's terrible, but I I was you know a kid in middle school at the time. I love it. So 
Right. There's, there's always like some interesting stuff that you can pull from that. Just different eras yeah. and different ways wrestling pre- was presented over the yeah, years. Yeah, and you so. were talking about, I think it was your last show, you did that Vengeance 2001 show. Mm-hmm. And that was a time where I was completely, just completely started to be checked out of wrestling. So I went back to watch it and I just like, I kind of remember what's going on here and I can kind of see why the fan base started dying off a little bit and all that. So it's a, mm-hmm. it's a cool little snapshot. And that's what's cool. I think what you guys do is there's no real limits for where you're going to pick your shows from. So you're kind of all over the yeah. spectrum. So it's cool to get those different perspectives from all these different eras. Right. Exactly. Yes. Every era, every company has something to offer. It's all, it's all yeah. different. So keeps friends think keeps things fresh for sure. But uh, yeah, once again, man, thank you for taking the time to, uh, to watch the show. Yeah. And uh, to come on here and talk about it. I had a good time. For sure, man. I'm sure we'll go it again sometime down the line or I could have you guys come on and, I, I talked about this on Twitter too. Like podcast crossover needs to happen more. I think it's fun when shows do that. So we'll we'll try to keep it going. Yeah, yeah. I try to do it every week, and I've I've met a lot of people that I consider friends now through doing it. So always a good time to get different yeah. perspectives. Well, there's there's always big wrestling events where everyone comes together. Maybe next WrestleMania or All Out Weekend or whatever it is, we'll all be around. It was funny. It seems like everybody that I find that does a wrestling podcast is from Chicago. Like it seems like every other really? guy I have on here is I from. Know, there. I know nobody from Chicago. Oh man, everyone I know is like out west or and out east or something right. like that yeah the ovp podcast guys are out east fully posables out west breaker and bane's out west doing the favors out and actually breaker Bane in oklahoma yeah yeah so and where are you where are you based again virginia virginia okay so you're out east everyone's all over the place yeah, yeah. we've got the big map <laughs> taking over the place yeah something like that well, one day i'll come out there and we'll we'll do a big wrestling podcast together <laughs> just just come to wrestlemania next year in dallas even if you're not going to go to wrestlemania itself just come for the shit yeah. show that is wrestlemania weekend that might be a thing that might be a thing that happens there you go. sure all right, man. Well, I'll let you uh, enjoy the rest of your night. And uh, yeah, once again, thanks cool. for coming on. Thanks for having me, man. It was a lot of fun. Hell yeah. Once again, thank you to Steve from the Positively Pro Wrestling Podcast. Awesome, awesome guest. Loved having him on. And you can check out their podcast wherever you listen to podcasts, all of their social media and whatnot in the description. And um, once again, if you enjoy these TNA reviews... If you're a new listener, relatively new listener, go to apronbump.com and go to the episodes tab at the top, click on TNA and it'll bring you to all the TNA episodes that I've done, all of the events I've covered, started from the first pay-per-view in 2004 and worked our way up to where we are now into the middle of 2005. It's been a fun ride, man. Let me tell you, it's, it's been a lot, a lot of shenanigans um tna lots of good lots of bad but it's all fun and that's kind of the point of this huh you can also go by the way alternatively you can also go to the modern alternatives tab on apronbump.com and it'll bring you to not only tna but ring of honor as i mentioned before we just covered samoa joe's debut in ring of honor and there's a lot of other crossover between ring of honor and tna as they often would in this time period. Like we said, we saw Delirious on this show, who was a a staple in Ring of Honor. I think even today he's with them as a booker or something. I'm not really sure, but um, AJ Styles was in Ring of Honor. We're going to see low-key soon. And like, There's a ton of crossover, and it's just awesome to see these different companies kind of collaborating, collaborating, which is kind of what we're seeing nowadays in a way. But uh, next week we got ECW. Return of the Funker, 1995. So we're going to hop back 10 years and hop into 
a no AC arena and watch a lot of people bleed a lot. Uh, we're going to, you know, in this show, we saw Shane Douglas and his skills as an interviewer or lack thereof. But now we're going to hop to Shane Douglas <laughs> defending his title, his ECW world title against Marty Jannetty. Yeah, that happened. That was a thing that happened. But uh, yes, follow all my social media. Again, find it all in the description. Also, you can find it all on apronbump.com and all my episodes. Feel free to throw me a rating or a review. Uh, go sub to my YouTube channel. Give, it a, give this video version a like, which by the way, the video versions of all my episodes are on YouTube as well. Give me a subscribe, hit the notification bell, kiss your sister on the lips, all the usual things you do. And yeah, that's uh, that's it, boys. Why did why was that why was that the thing I said there? I don't know. Um <laughs> Thank you guys once again for listening. I appreciate you all. Yeah. I'm hard. Standing strong and proud of me, and I can't miss getting started.